Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We're going to go to the Word. We're going to go to the book of Ruth, actually. And if you don't have a Bible handy or whatever, and you can't turn to the scriptures, I'm going to be reading them and quoting them and so that you can follow with me very easily as we go through. My subject today is called uh, Unexplained Setbacks and Sovereign Setups. Unexplained Setbacks and Sovereign Setups. You know, the book of Ruth is tucked away in the Old Testament, and it's one of only two books in the Bible that have a lady as an author written from a lady's mindset, a woman. The book of Esther and the book of Ruth. Esther and Ruth are the only books that give you the mindset of these two women who became so influential and so mightily used by God in their time. But a woman's perspective is different. How is that? Well, in my estimation, women are more given to detail. Women are more given to feeling. Now there can be some guys that, you know, lean on that side too, but I'm just saying generally, women are very insightful. Women pay a lot of attention to relationships. They pay a lot of attention to the things that are around them, the details of it. And you'll pick that up both in the book of Esther and the book of Ruth. Ruth is a book with a signpost for our journey. I think this is a perfect book for us to study right now in our particular season as a congregation with signs that say, the best is hidden behind things. The best is hidden behind things. Now, if you just pause with me and let me talk with you and preach to you and teach with you and, and us communicate, connect right here, I want you to think about the book of Ruth. It's a book that's written right during the time of the judges. It's in the darkest time of Israel. It's in one of the worst periods of history for people to be alive. And this particular family that the book of Ruth is built around is a family that experienced so much hardship and so many things. But what they didn't know is that the best, now, now again, you're gonna take this in, you're gonna lean in with me, the best is hidden behind things. The best is hidden behind broken things, behind devastating circumstances. The best is hidden, and we like C.S. Lewis would say, there are far better things ahead than what lies behind. And so I'm looking at the book of Ruth, and I'm thinking about your life and my life and this season and, and our nations and our world and our families and our jobs and our careers and our marriages and, and everything that goes with our health and our children and decision-making has never been maybe more complex and, and things are left hanging all over and we don't know exactly how to uh, really uh, put the path out there and walk in the ways of God or in the ways of life. But I have news for you. There's nothing new about a crisis. We've had crisis from the beginning of time. And there's nothing new about bad things happening to good people. There have been bad things happening to good people from the beginning of time. I have a scripture for you. You'll recognize it, but let me point one thing out. Jeremiah 29, 11, message translation. It says, I know what I'm doing. 
I have it all planned out. Plan to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plan to give you the future you hope for. Now, this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know what I'm doing. I have plans for you. I'm working things out. If you're like me, we have that uh, question mark at times. And I certainly have lived through things that I had the question and, and decisions that were made and circumstances. And, and this Jeremiah scripture was always a go-to scripture for me. I, the Lord, I know what I'm doing. In the Hebrew, if you were reading the verse out loud, you'd have to shout the word, I know what I'm doing. Because in the Hebrew, it's an emphatic I. It's an emphatic focus on the verse. The absolute choice of God in this word, he is saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have plans for you and nobody can unravel them. Nobody can deal with them. If I was translating Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Hebrew language, which was used for the Old Testament, it would translate like this. I alone know the plans I have for you, for my plan for you remain firm. Do you actually believe that right now? Are you, are you tracking with me? Are you thinking about this? I intend your future to be a great future, not a misfortune. Are you thinking about misfortune? Are you thinking about the things that are coming your way? I know what I'm planning for you. I'm planning good things. Do you actually believe that? Are you taking in this word of faith? I'm planning good things, not bad things. What I plan to do will give you the future you hope for. A blessed destiny, I'll give you the kind of life where you can know good things will happen in your future. Now, my word of faith to you today is that good things are being worked out. Good things are happening. God knows what he's doing. God is not somehow worried in heaven and behind the Holy Spirit, wondering how the Holy Spirit's going to help us. The scriptures have not changed. God has not changed. I know my plan. I plan for you a great future. This is not going to be a misfortune that will mess you up. I'm going to bring destiny out of it. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to work in your family's life. I'm going to work in your career. I'm going to work in your marriage. This is not a backward step. It's a forward step. Now I'm preaching faith into some people that are saying, how can this possibly be a forward step? But it is. God is the emphatic I. He's the emphatic sovereign Lord. He knows exactly what he's doing. When dreams are interrupted, and I would think right now some dreams are being interrupted with people. When visions of greatness seem to be lost, I would think there are some people that are dealing with the lostness of the greatness that they thought about. When tragedy strikes and then strikes again, something begins to happen. You're brokenhearted, you feel destroyed, and when things begin to happen like that, sometimes you start looking at, and this is my message now, setbacks. Why am I experiencing a setback? Why am I having such a devastation of my spirit and heart and soul and mind and dream? And, and why am I seeing my ordinary life crumble before me? How can I actually believe that God has at work for me? All right, let's look at the book of Ruth. And, and in this book, the dark days of Israel, as we're experiencing some very dark times right now around the world, without this crisis, we were experiencing dark times. Now, with the crisis, there's even more. And so we feel this, this pressure and this atmosphere and this gloom and all the reports that we get. But I want you to understand that God is in the setbacks. Even though they're unexplainable and you hate them, God is in setbacks. 
The book of Ruth, written about this family who leave the famine that they have in Israel and they migrate down to Moab. Now Moab is a pagan country. It's a pagan culture. It's, it's not given to Jehovah, it doesn't serve Jehovah, but they left Israel because there was a horrible famine and now they've migrated down to Moab and they're trying to wait for the famine to get over. But tragedy strikes. Naomi and Amalek have been married for a long time and her husband dies. The sons had married two different ladies from the community there. Milan had married Ruth, who will become famous. But she's a Moabite. She's an idol worshiper or a person who does not know Jehovah. Chilion married Orpha. And they were married for 10 years. But then you have another crisis, no children. Both women are barren for 10 years. That's a devastating thing in these times. And then another strike. The two husbands die almost at the same time. So now Naomi, imagine she's in a foreign land. Her husband dies. That in itself is a crisis. Then her son dies. And then another son dies. And the women that they married have no children and they are barren. A setback is when unanticipated circumstances cause a delay in progress or worse than a delay, a reversal. A sudden blow with another blow that prevents all the good you were expecting, all the good you were wanting, and the interruptions come and they get you into a place and suddenly you have a setback, but not one setback for Ruth and for this family, for Naomi, it's a, it's a season of setbacks. It's not just one, it's two, it's three, it's four, it's five, it's six. It's a season of setbacks. Now, setbacks are unanticipated circumstances that delay. We don't like surprises and we hate delays. And in this book, this is what they are experiencing. This is what Ruth will experience. This is what Naomi is experiencing. It's the setbacks and the delays and then the horribleness of the loss they were going through. And so you start out in Ruth chapter 1 and verses 1 through 5. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi and the names of his two sons, Milan and Chilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem. They went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. But the husband died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. But then, after 10 years, the sons die. The number one setback I see here is setback of tragedy and crisis to more tragedy and crisis adds grief to loss and loss to grief, and you become bewildered on even how to move forward. Now, all of us have different kinds of setbacks and different kinds of levels of loss, uh, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, there's different levels of loss. And she, Naomi, who becomes a key figure here, 
She is experiencing so much loss, so much disappointment, so much brokenness. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And this is my word to many of you that are listening and maybe your friends that might need this word, that when life comes at you so hard and throws that curveball and, and, and there's loss and there's disappointment and there's, and there's this brokenness and things just are a tragedy beyond anything you could imagine you could ever live through. I want you to know you will live through it, but it's a tragedy. It looks like a horrible setback, a setback of tragedy. Number two, it's a setback of misery with no answers. No hope to see change. The setback is so deep, so final. Naomi gives her speech. Naomi gives a speech. Now listen to me. When you give words of counsel, declaration, like Naomi, and they come out of deep hurt, disappointment, loss. I can't handle this. I don't understand this. Where is God? Why are these things happening? Your speech is going to be different, and it's going to try to influence everybody around you. And this is what happens with Naomi. But Naomi, in verse 8, said to her two daughters, Go return, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead, their two husbands, and me, my dead husband. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice, and they wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. It's now Naomi is going to leave Moab. She's going to go back to Bethlehem. And the women are saying, we're going to go with you. And Naomi is arguing with them. She says, no, you're not. No, you will not return with me to my people. And here's her speech. And Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Never. Why don't you just turn back? My daughters, go your way. For I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait for them to grow? No, you might as well turn back. Would you marry them? No, my daughters, it is exceedingly, and this is her speech, exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord, now is, is this, is this, True is, is Naomi's theology right at this point where she says, and the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Think about this. Is there a time in a believer's life where God can go against you? Where the hand of the Lord turns against you? Where you would actually confess, no, the Lord had turned against me and truly, there's nothing I can do about it. Does she have wrong theology or wrong application? Then they lifted up their voices and they wept. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her, said, I'm not leaving you. And Naomi and Ruth go through their argument. But Naomi is saying, nothing good is going to happen in my life. Everything that has ever happened to this point, if there's any good in it, that's all I will ever have. Now, what is happening to me, the Lord is against me. The Lord's hand is against me, and nothing is going to change. So her setback of misery begins to see no hope 
and she started thinking God might be against me. And she starts saying to them, don't hang around me because if you hang around with me, you might get the same pain that I've been going through. Number three in verse 13, a setback of God saying God is against me. And a setback causes you to say to people, if you get around me, you will only come under my doom, my gloom, my problems. Your life will be as bitter as mine. And because your life will be as bitter as mine, I want you to stay away from me because I can't see anything good. I'm not going anywhere good. Everybody around me is dead. I seem to be almost like cursed of God is what she is saying here. In verse 13, would you therefore wait? The answer is no. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It is exceedingly bitter. Notice, bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has done this. But it's not true. It's not that the hand of the Lord didn't do it because, in fact, her theology is right, but her insight is wrong. God did do this. God was actually shaping a destiny that Naomi could not see. He was shaping a destiny that Ruth could not see. He was dealing with something that would happen 50 years down the road, 100 years down, how it would affect the entire nation and the world. She could not see it. So truly, the Lord had allowed some things to happen. And she began to say, God is against me. But God wasn't against her. God was actually working for her. We usually exaggerate our hopelessness when we have setbacks. We exaggerate the wrong and we minimize the possibility. And that's what works on people when they go through setbacks. Naomi is embittered. She doesn't understand the providence of God. She is speaking from her heart, and her heart is hurting, and her heart is broken. She doesn't know what to do with her brokenness. Number four, in verse 14, setbacks will reveal who are the kissers and who are the clingers. Some people around you are fair-weather friends, fair-weather covenant people. That is, they are the kissers, but they're not the clingers. And so when you go through a hard time, they kiss and say goodbye. But there are the roots who cling to you through your whole destiny, even though you have pain, even though you say wrong thing, even though you have a wrong emotion, even though you interpret God wrongfully, they still allow you to be close to them because they believe in you, they believe in God, they're clingers, and this is what Ruth was. She gave hope to Naomi. She could not be stopped. Ruth could not be stopped. Naomi begged, go back, go back. Verse 16, do, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you, for where you go, I will go. This is a famous marriage verse. This is a, a verse that we use uh, when we are performing weddings, and, and a lot of people use these in their vows, you know, uh, where you go, I will go, your people will be my people. But that phrase, that, that context is born out of a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and this woman, Ruth, is an honorable woman. This woman understands commitment, understands covenant, and she understands that she will never give up. So she says, don't you even try and talk with me ever again because I will never leave you. I will go with you to your people. I will lodge with you and I will die wherever you die. So I am not leaving. So Naomi gave in and this person that clinged to her 
with someone that was very special because Ruth takes her hand and walks right into darkness. Ruth takes the hand of a painful person. Now listen to me, sometimes your destiny is hidden in people who have a lot of pain. Sometimes your destiny is hidden in people that have a lot of brokenness. And Ruth is a great example of a person who walks right into darkness with her widowhood with Naomi's and the childlessness and the foreign country and the setbacks. But Ruth is a special woman. She has a special faith, a special heart. She will not see things the way other people see them. I want you to understand that your setbacks, just like Ruth, are not setbacks that will destroy you. They are for you. They're ministering to you. They're setting you up. Do not let go. Don't be a kisser. Be a clinger. Cling to the people God put around you and walk into the future with your eyes open and your heart that God is planning something, even though you can't see it. Number five, setbacks can cause you to see yourself wrong and give yourself a false prophecy, a fake identity. Think about this. You can give yourself a false prophecy and a fake identity because you see things so wrong. This is what Ruth did in verse 20. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. So Ruth changed her name. I mean, Naomi changed her name talking to Ruth. And this is Naomi's prophecy over her life. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now, if I'm talking to people who have gone through suffering beyond that you can't even talk about, sometimes it's that uh, miscarriage that nobody knows about, but your, your heart is broken, your life is broken. Sometimes it's a relationship that has been abused. Sometimes it's a situation in your family. Sometimes it's in your heart. Sometimes it's in your emotion and you feel twisted, you feel wrong, you feel whatever, and you've gone through stuff or even with the prophetic words over your life that you can't see how they're going to happen. Naomi is that person. She's saying, call me bitter. I'm, I'm going to change my name. Naomi means pleasant, blessed. Naomi says, I'm not pleasant and I'm not blessed. I am bitter. Why? And this is a, an amazing piece of sovereignty in this verse, in verse 20, where she says, uh, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. So I'm, I'm going to be called. Every time you say my name, you're saying bitter. That bitter woman, that bitter woman, and that's how I am. And so that's the name I'm going to take. And then she says this, I went away full when she left Bethlehem to come down. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I went out full, but I've come back empty. How many times do we see that we start full, full of faith, full of virtue, full of vision, full of dreams. We're so full of all the good things the Lord has done. And then crisis, setbacks come. And then we end up saying, I went out full, but now <clears throat> I'm empty. And I'm returning empty and I'm coming back empty. And my name was pleasant, but now it's bitter. I went out full, I returned empty. But the fact is, that is only from her perspective. She's not empty. She's actually the fullest she will ever be in life for the past and the future as she was holding hands with Ruth. And as they were on their way back to Israel, back to Bethlehem, back to her hometown, as they were 
going through this journey. In her hand, the Moabite woman, who could have been, in her mind, a devastating thing that her son would marry a Moabite, and now she's taking a Moabite back with her to Israel, but in her hand is death, and in her hand is Ruth. In her hand is fullness, because Ruth is going to bring fullness to Naomi. Naomi's theology is actually correct. God is working, but it's not working against her. Number six, setbacks are the making of great people, great stories of great sovereignty. I, I would like to submit this to you and for you to understand this. There are no great people without setbacks. There are no great people without tragedy. There are no great leaders, great families, great anything, unless you have gone through the brokenness. You've gone through the lost the tragedies of life. It, it might not be the loss of a child or a spouse, but there's many kinds of losses and, and disappointments that come and, and deal with this. Ruth is that person that's being made by the tragedy. Are you being made by the tragedy? Yes, because the heavy hand of God is on you, but not to, to destroy you, but to make you the great person that you would never make yourself. Circumstances make great people. Bad circumstances make even greater people. And horrible circumstances make hero people. And so the circumstances that are driving you are actually shaping you and getting into your destiny. Ruth had a faith in God that sees beyond the present bitter setbacks. She had a deep root, and because of that, God was going to deal with her in a very special way. And in that special way, there was going to be a sovereign setup. Now, as you move through the book of Ruth, it goes from setbacks to setups. Setups is what? Well, you're right now, whether you recognize it or not or know it or not, right now, God is working on your behalf. You know that scripture, Romans 8, where it says all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. Right now, God is working the mysterious, hidden ways of God, where he doesn't expose what he's doing, but he's behind the scenes. He works in the darkness. He works in the hardness. He works in the circumstance. He works in the loss. You can't see it, and sometimes you call that a mirror, but it's actually a Naomi, it's a pleasant, it, it, you, you see it, but it's not actually what you see. A setup is when God mysteriously, secretly behind the scenes is working what? His sovereignty. To position a person for blessing, breakthrough, promotion, and turnaround. Your setback is God's setup for your supernatural, divine turnaround. Ominous clouds are big, over your head, but they're filled with mercy drops all around us. And they'll break with the blessings of God over your head. Now let me prophesy to some of you that are listening because you need to take this word and you need to really let it get into your heart. Your setbacks are not to destroy you or your home or your future. God is actually raining mercy drops of upon your head right now. He's actually setting things up. He's moving in a mysterious way to, to put things back together. He's, he's knitting and weaving your destiny and with all the things that you would maybe curse at or you would maybe be so angry about or you right now could say so much about this and that and a loss or whatever it might be. I'm saying to you today that those clouds are filled with mercy. William Cowper, one of the great poem writers of the past, 
he has a, a poem he wrote that turned into a hymn. And the hymn is one called The Mysterious Ways of God. God moves in mysterious ways. Cowper himself was a man of tragedy. He's a man who tried to end his life several times. He's a man that lived with levels of depression. He's a man that cursed his own life, could not see any value in it. But somebody who was worse off than him took him in. Actually, the man who wrote Amazing Grace is the man who took him in as a disciple and began to shape his mindset about his life. And in writing this one poem, this one verse, this one that turns into a hymn, he says, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Sometimes we look at providence and we think it, it frowns on us, but it's not. It's, it's what the world would think as a frown of God is actually disguised as his smiling face working behind the scenes like a, like a Joseph in the pit and the brothers reject him, like a Moses in the wilderness and, and his family and all that goes, and, and like a, a Gideon who's behind the rock hiding and, and like the Apostle Paul who is the man who is tormented by the people that he tried to leave uh, and actually they ended up... Uh, uh, doing so many things, uh, beating him and stoning him. And, and John uh, on the Isle of Patmos, the writer of the book of Revelation, boiled in oil and all this stuff. That, and when you go through the scripture, God's providence is never interrupted by destruction. It's never interrupted by brokenness. He uses those as stepping stones in your life and my life. So here's my declaration to you. Number one, a sovereign setup have a starting point that will reset your life and position you for a sovereign surprise. So a sovereign setup has a starting point that will reset your life and position you for a sovereign surprise. Ruth 1.22, and it says, and beginning, would you say, even though it might sound silly, that you talk to me sitting on the couch or the chair, wherever you are, say the word beginning, beginning, beginning. Come on, say it out loud. Beginning, one more time. Beginning. I want you to take Ruth 1.22 and understand, after all the setbacks, after all the devastation, you have this verse, and it says, at the beginning of the barley harvest, what was the beginning of the barley harvest? It was the beginning of a turning point for Naomi and Ruth and their life. This is the turning point, the beginning that they now are moving from famine and they're moving into a harvest time, but they don't even know it, that something has actually changed. Number two, a sovereign setup has the people who God will use in your future already in place. They look accidental, but they are sovereignly placed in your pathway, and God is beginning to put this puzzle together because all the suffering and the pain and the weirdness and the stuff that's been taken from you, they're coming back to build upon. They're coming back with blessing. I'm, I'm saying to you with my eyes wide open, wherever you're seated today, that God wants to do something awesome in your life, and that awesomeness has a beginning, and I'd like to say today is that day. Today is that beginning. I'm prophesying hope into your spirit. I'm prophesying a 
turning point into your spirit. I'm prophesying that God's going to have a Boaz for you. But Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man whose name was Boaz. Ruth knew nothing about this man, but he's going to be placed into the life of Ruth. Number three, sovereign setups are taking place. And I want you to see what it says here in this scripture. As you happen, happen into circumstances that look routine, normal, nothing supernatural, no God orchestrated anything. This is just a normal layoff, a normal job upset, a relational problem. This person has come into my life, but I don't understand why. I just want you to understand that as things happen, it says in Ruth 2 and verse 5, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Just, she happened. She went out the glean, which you were supposed to do around the edges of the field, but she went to the place where Boaz owned and his workers were working. And it says, and she just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was actually related to Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, who is this woman? Who is this woman? And the servant in charge said, she's the Moabite that came with Naomi. He goes, oh, that's Ruth. She left her land. She stayed with Naomi. She is a wonderful woman. She's a cut above. Even though other people don't even know I notice it, I've been watching this story unfold, and I'm telling you right now that this is not just an accidental happening, that she just happened onto my piece of the field. This is a sovereign setup, a sovereign surprise, and God has some happenings for you that you think are not planned, you think are just accidental, but they're the supernatural happenings of God. In verse 8, Point four on sovereign setups is that sovereign favor moments come when God causes others to see you and bless you and favor you when no one else does. So Boaz now talks to Ruth and he says to her, listen to me, my daughter. Do not glean in anybody else's field. She says, well, how can that be? I have to go work. No, you don't glean in anyone else's field. If you want wheat, barley, corn, anything you need, my men will get it for you. You will never lack. When you're thirsty, I want you to go and they will draw water for you. And when you're tired, I want you to sit under the shade and rest. I'm taking care of you. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been, this is what Boaz says, it's been fully told to me, the story. And now you left your father and mother, your native land, and came to a people that you did not know. And this is what I'm saying to you today. Ruth 2 and verse 12. The Lord will repay you and what you have done. There is a full reward to be given to you by the Lord. The God of Israel. Come on. Take this as the word of faith. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You're resting under the wings of sovereignty. You're resting under the destiny of of the Lord repaying you. You're resting under the destiny of a full reward coming to your life. And so the setups are now becoming sovereign for her. And now she's going to enter into a full blessing of the Lord. 
Number five, setups can be hindered by lack of integrity, obedience to wise counsel, and even moral purity. Now listen to me, I'm not preaching works here. I'm not saying to you that you can work your way into the, the major destinies of your life, but I am saying to you, there are certain things that have a price tag to them and you need to be very careful. When he says in Ruth two and verse eight, listen to me, my daughter, she could have turned her head and not listened and gone to other fields, miss Boaz, and the story could be that there was never a Ruth, there was another woman, and it could have been a whole unfolding in the Bible so different that it happened, but Ruth listened to Boaz when he said, listen to me, my daughter. She said, I will listen. Let your eyes be only on this field. Okay, I, I don't understand why you're doing this, but yes, my eyes will only be on this field. And Ruth, you found favor in my sight. And Ruth said, but why have I found favor in your sight? Because it's been fully reported to me all that you have done. God will repay you in a full reward. And it says you need to stay close to this young woman all the time. The young men were supposed to protect her. And then he says to her, which gives you a window into the moral integrity of this woman. Verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, you did not go after young men. Now it's known that Ruth was beautiful. She could have gone after young men because she didn't have the same God morals that the Israelites had. The Moabites were different. But she had a moral code of honorableness about her life. And when Boaz talks to this woman, he says, you're, you're so beautiful, but you don't go after young men. Boaz was an older man. The whole town, it says this in verse 11, the whole town knows that you're a virtuous woman. She had lived a life of separation and discipline and did not allow herself in a time of discouragement to violate her morals or violate her destiny. Please listen to me and please allow me as a father in the Lord to speak into your life. Don't violate your morals. Don't violate your destiny. Don't allow those things to come and rob you of what God wants in you. Now, if that's happened, if, if something has happened that uh, you failed and, and you didn't know better and you didn't understand even things that I'm preaching today, it's a new day. So you put your life in front of you. You put that behind you and you say, you know what? I understand what this man is saying and I'm going to serve the Lord with a pure heart and I'm going to give myself to obedience. I'm going to listen to counsel. I'm going to be a wise man, a wise woman, and I'm going to let God direct my path. And if you do that, you will find mighty things are going to be set up for you. Number six, setups will happen as God works. Sit still and let God work it out. You need not try and be the orchestrator of your life. Ruth 3 and verse 18, she replied, wait, my daughter, because something had gone wrong. I don't have enough time to tell you the whole story, but something had gone wrong in this story, and, and Ruth might have been able uh, to see that she's going to miss a Boaz. It's not going to happen. And the Naomi said to her, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And it says, Sit still and let God work it out. Sit still and let God work it out. I'm telling you today that you need to sit still, let God work it out. 
Don't be an orchestrator. Don't be a manipulator. Don't try to make things happen. God is fully capable of making all things happen that are supposed to happen to your life. And you need not to allow yourself to become worried or try to make everything come together according to your plan because it's not your plan. It's the plan of God. It's the plan of an awesome God. And God is able to do awesome things in your life. My last point set up for God's sovereign purposes that will be far greater than just your life. You will affect a lot of people in your future. Your destiny will affect more people in your future. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, this is now Ruth and Boaz have a child. And the woman of the neighborhood said, a son has been born to Naomi, to Ruth, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who became the father of King David. So Ruth, the Moabite, accidentally marries a Boaz. And they have a child who is a destiny child named Obed, who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David. And David becomes the father of Jesus in that he's in that line, King David. Who would have known that anybody could have looked at Ruth back during the crisis and said, but kings will be born of you. Actually, the Son of God will come from your lineage. Who could have prophesied it? But Ruth was chosen of God. She was set up, and God was going to use these strange setbacks as a signpost to everybody that would ever go through setbacks if you will listen and obey and submit and surrender and allow God to work. He will do marvelous things in your life and you will be a person that will affect the destiny of many and who knows what's going to come out of your life. Do you receive it? Do you take it in today? Yes, you're saying yes. You're saying yes. All right, let me pray. Father, I'm praying right now that those that have experienced unexplained setbacks will now lift their head to the sovereign surprises that are coming their way. Lord, nothing happens by accident. All, 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 all things work, 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 work together, together, together. We understand this. Lord, we shake off discouragement. We shake off the lies of the devil. And Lord, today, we see ourselves as in that time period of being blessed of God. Lord, bless these people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.